think about that a little bit more this morning. Uh, to do that, we're just going to start off with uh, uh, just a little clip, I think, that Dave will make this one work, maybe. North Trail's closed. Oh? What about the East Trail? Yeah, but only till twilight. Let's go, kids. Take you back. Who can remember that one? Now, boys, that is the first Mission Impossible, all right? And that's the technology I had back then. Uh, this is your mission if you choose to accept it. And that tape deck explodes. Amazing technology, wasn't it? And the uh, effects that went with it. Uh, it's a bit like what we're going to be seeing today. We're going to be seeing that God actually brings a mission to Moses uh, in a very different one. It's actually in, in a a tree that is burning, that uh, doesn't explode, but it's burning. And we're going to see that actually Moses doesn't actually have a choice in the mission. He's going to have to go on this mission, even though he may have excuses not to. And then we're going to see how that actually relates to you and I, about how God has a mission for you and I as well. Uh, so open your Bibles up to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be reading the first 15 verses, and uh, Anne-Marie is going to come and read that for us. Uh, keep your Bibles open, because we're going to move through to chapter 4. Today, we're not going to do all of chapter 4, but we're going to move through that and we're going to see again how God's bringing his people, uh, gathering them together to be his people. So let's have a look at, listen to that. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come over any closer. God said, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, 
and the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. So uh, we've got uh, Moses. We've heard about him. He's been saved by God. He's gone off into Midian for about 40 years. And near the end of that, he's out tending his sheep. And he comes across or goes to the Mount, Mount Horeb, uh, which we probably find out later on is actually Mount Sinai. Mount Horeb means the mountain of God and Mount Sinai is where Moses meets him. Uh, and he's shepherding. You notice that lots of the people in the Bible are shepherds. Notice David's shepherds. You notice that Jesus is called the great shepherd as well. Uh, God uses that a lot, doesn't he? He uses shepherds and often he uses them because... Back in those days, shepherds were seen as pretty lowly people. They weren't seen as particularly good or great in any way, but yet God uses them. And he takes, and we hear of Moses here, and God's going to use him as well. And so he gets to the mountain, uh, he's there, and then the next minute uh, he sees something very strange. Suddenly there is this beautiful white light, this gorgeous angel standing there, lovely wings spread out, beautiful complexion, absolutely perfect looking. No, it's not the case, is it? It's not there. You're all thinking, where is this guy? Uh, well, we actually hear that the angel of the Lord appears to Moses. doesn't look anything like the angels that we see in pictures, does it? might make us think a little bit more about what angels might look like. Uh, and so the angel of the Lord appears to Moses and he appears to Moses in a burning bush, or a bush actually that isn't burning. It's a bush that has flames within it and the bush itself is not burnt up at all. And so Moses goes across and he has a look at this strange sight. You'd imagine Moses thinking, what? What What on earth is that? A bush? Fire? Not burning? Man, what did I have my goat's milk this morning? This is something a bit weird. I'm tripping out here. I'm spinning out, what's going on? 
And then as he's getting closer and he's coming up closer, next minute, bang! Moses, Moses! Just think about that one day as you're walking down the street and suddenly someone speaks to you out of a bush. It'd throw you, wouldn't it? Absolutely knock you off your feet and think, who on earth and what on earth is going on here? This is not normal, okay? This is not normal. God has come in and speaks to Moses. And what does he say to Moses? He doesn't say, get on your knees, brother. He says, Moses, Moses. Now that's really important because God isn't just speaking to anybody. He is speaking to Moses. And when the Bible uses people's names, it's because they are known and because they are establishing a relationship with them. God knows Moses. He knows him by name. This God who speaks out of this tree not burning up, the God of all, the all-powerful, the all-holy, knows Moses by name. He knows us by name as well. But imagine what Moses would be feeling. This is crazy. God, what's going on here? God is speaking to him out of this bush and he says, take your shoes off, Moses, because you are standing on holy ground. This is an amazing picture of an all-powerful, almighty God who takes the very simple elements of this creation, a bush and fire, and uses them to bring his word and to show how mighty and holy and powerful but relational he is. God speaks to Moses and Moses is blown away. Wow. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? This holy, perfect God steps into his creation and speaks to one of his people. His holiness is beyond anything else, perfect in every sense. And yet he speaks to this imperfect person in Moses. Though Moses is unable to approach him yet, is he? Notice he can't come any closer. He can't come in to that place beside God yet. You see, God is a holy God. He is perfect in every way and imperfection cannot be near him. I don't know whether you've ever been in those situations. We were at the, up at uh, Lura recently and we took our photos of some of those beautiful pictures of the three sisters and there was one point when we were taking a picture of the three sisters and next minute Hamish just went <coughs> across it and photobombed the whole thing. It destroyed the photo completely. This perfect, beautiful picture and then this ugly McKendrick jumps in the middle. That's what photobombing does, doesn't it? This beautiful, in a sense, holy picture is corrupted by the imperfect person. God is holy and he cannot be corrupted by imperfect people. Moses is unable to approach God. He can stand a distance, there's a relationship forming, but he's unable to approach him. How can we possibly approach God? How can we come into that holiness? We don't need to photobomb. We need to see that there is... Jesus who comes in. Jesus is the one who actually brings us into his presence. We can't get there without him. We have to stand outside 
But Jesus brings us into the presence of a holy God because he deals with our imperfection. So we can have a more intimate relationship than Moses ever had with God. I'll just take you back to that other picture there. Because do you know that the burning bush is actually the official symbol of the Presbyterian Church? I don't know whether you ever knew that. Because uh, we don't use it uh, these days. But it's actually the official symbol. And the words that go around the outside, I cannot say in Latin, but they say, ever burning, never consuming. So the idea of the picture here is that the church is ever burning, never consumed. The picture of the burning bush is it's burning but never consumed. It goes on. The all-powerful, almighty, the word of God will continue forever. God's people will continue forever. And so the Presbyterian church uh, took that on as being their symbol. Uh, Interesting, we've uh, gone to the cross now and we use the cross as our symbol these days. But that was what they used in that time. And that sense of God's almighty power never being able to be quenched and consumed. So Moses, imagine him standing on that mountain, sheep probably scattered, this strange sight. God speaks. God tells him that something's about to happen and what he says to him, he says he outlines to Moses what God's mission is about. This is what God is going to do. Uh, Look at verse 7. It says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen their misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. This is a personal relational God, guys. He feels their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the house of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzites, Hevites, and Jebusites, and I think Anne-Marie said that better than me. Uh, and now they cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. God is a relational God who wants his people, and he feels for his people, and he's going to step in and rescue his people. And he's going to rescue them, he's going to take them to a land of milk and honey. I reckon these days it would be a land of Coke and Mars bars, wouldn't it? I think that's more my idea. Uh, But a perfect land is the idea here, a place where they're going to be his people. What does this remind us of? Genesis chapter 12, isn't it? Abraham, the promises of God to Abraham is I'll make you my people. You will be a numerous people. You'll be in a land and you'll be my people and a blessing to the world. God is going to fulfil his promises here. He's bringing it together. And he's going to take his people and take them there. This is his plan. That's what he wants to do. That's what Exodus is about, about God stepping in to history and rescuing his people and taking his people to be his people. And he says, Moses, you're going to be the one that does that for us. God enters our mess, doesn't he? God enters into this world, the mess of the Egyptians, the mess of slavery, the mess of oppression, the mess of death, the mess of destruction. God enters into that. And he enters into our mess as well. I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes when I'm not feeling well or things aren't going well, uh, I I like the fact when someone uh, rings me and says, how are you going? 
I appreciate the fact when someone Facebooks me and puts a message out there. I, I, it's really nice when someone texts me and says, how are you doing? But I really love it when someone steps into the mess with me. When someone turns up on the doorstep and says, hey, mate, I'm going to mow your lawn, sweetheart. I know you're, just, you're wrecked. Oh, hey, mate, I'm going to turn up. I've got a couple of beers and a few chips. Let's sit down and have a chat. We love that, don't we? When people enter into our mess and then help us within that. And that's what God does. He enters into the mess of the people in Israel and he enters into the mess of our world. And he gets in amongst that mess with us and then he cleans up that mess and he takes us out of that mess. And he does that again in Jesus, doesn't he? God most perfectly enters into this messy world in himself as Jesus and comes in, gets amongst it, gets his hands dirty, sees the pain and suffering within it and then takes the pain and suffering of this messy world to the cross for us. And rises again so that we can have life forever, so that our mess can be cleaned up. That's the type of God we have. That's the type of God in Exodus. That's the type of God we have in the New Testament. That's the type of God we have today for you and I. You see, God enters into our mess with us, travels through the mess and works to clear the mess with us. That is a God worthy of praise, isn't it? How wonderful that is. And so he says, Moses, you're my man for the job. Look what he says in verse 10. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people to the Israelites out of Egypt. What on earth do you think Moses is thinking now? I've seen this strange sight. God has spoken to me out of it. And he says he's going to get on this mission to save Thousands, maybe a couple of million people out of Egypt. And then he says he's going to send me. Hey, God, hold on a minute. Whoa. And that's what he does. That's exactly what he does. Uh, For the next chapters, right through to chapter 4, verse 10, Moses says, whoa, man. that's, That's not me. I can't do that. He comes up with all the excuses. Excuses, excuses, excuses. He tries every excuse to get out of it. Uh, often when people ring me uh, and they ask me to go and they say that, Paul, we'd like you to come and speak at a particular thing, uh, well, I start to go through the excuses too. So the first thing I do is says, okay, what's the date? And so as they're saying the date, I'm praying, Lord, there's got to be something else on that day. There's <laughs> got to be something else on that day. I get through the date. Oh, darn, it's free. No, okay. Uh, where is it? And I'm thinking, this has got to be a long way away because I can't travel that far. Um, you know, it's just, uh, no, it's just up, up the road, half an hour away. Oh, no, I can't get out of it that reason. I think, oh, well, I'll go for the next excuse. Well, uh, how old are the people that I'm speaking to? Maybe they're too young. Maybe they're too old for me. Maybe I just couldn't connect with them. Oh, no, it's a general, a bit like your own congregation. Oh, stuff. I'm going to have to go and do this. And then I reel out the big gun. All right, before I answer, I need to go and speak to my wife. I gave her every excuse to get out of this. Can I do that? Can I get out of this talk? Well, Moses does a bit like the same. He goes for five excuses to try and get out of it. Uh, Look at what he says. But Moses said to God, hold on, hold on. Who am I? I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Uh, Moses said, not me. No, no, I can't do that. 
You know, I'm no big wig, I can't do it, I'm not going to do that. And God answers him, he says, but I'll be with you. Done. One excuse gone, God's going to be with him. So he goes to the next excuse. So Moses says in verse 13, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to me and they ask me, what is his name, what shall I tell them, what, what, what information can I give them? You know, I don't really know who you are, they're not going to believe me maybe, you know. And then God says, I am who I am. You tell them that I am has sent you. God says, this is my name. You tell them it's me. Oh, Moses thinks, oh man, what's the next excuse I can come up with? I can't get away with that one. All right, so in verse 4, Moses answers, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? What am I going to do then? What can I, what can I get away with then? And God says, no. I'm going to speak through you. You've got no excuses there, mate. Not going to happen. He says, well, what? come on, I bet the next one, he says. I'm going to go to verse 10 of chapter 4. Moses said, Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, but I've never been eloquent. I have a speech impediment. I can't go and speak to these people. They're not going to listen to me. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Now, we're not 100% sure what that speech impediment that Moses has. We're not sure what it is, but he believes that he is unable to speak because of his disability of whatever that is. And God says to him, sorry Moses, but when you speak, I'm going to speak. Four times he tried, four times God answers him. He says, I will provide for you, I will do this. Uh, earlier on we find out back in verse, what happens in chapter 4, he says, will they believe me? God gives him three miracles. He says, I'll turn your staff into a snake. I'll make your hand leprous and heal it. And then I'll, I'll make you turn water into blood. I'll give you three miracles. What's Moses going to do? He's had four excuses. Can he get away with it? Well, look what he does next. Verse 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. He's given up on all excuses. And he's just gone, oh, mate, I, I don't want to do this, God. I don't want to be on your mission. Well, God actually gets a bit angry with him. He says, mate, come on, give us a break. It's not on. He says, but anyway, I'm going to send Aaron with you. Your brother will come along and then the elders will go with you and together you can go and do this. He's tried all the excuses, but God has equipped him. God has provided for him. God is going to give him his words. God is going to give him his people doesn't matter how much Moses is trying to get out of this, God is going to make his mission happen through him. And so I think Moses has probably had a couple of things going through his head, hasn't he? Probably one is fear. Remember, he was in Egypt and he was the pharaohs uh, in his household and treated like a son. He's feeling, ah, this is scary. But I also think maybe Moses is thinking that this mission is all on his head, that the main character in this mission is going to be me, Moses. But that's not the case, is it? God is the main character in all of this. Moses says, but, God says, I provide. Moses says, but, God says, I'm going to do. Moses says, I can't. Moses, God says, I am going to. Moses says, I'm going to. Who does, whose mission does God say it is right in the beginning? God doesn't say, Moses, you're the one who's going to go and bring the people out of Egypt, out of slavery. I'm going to bring them out of slavery. This is my mission. 
of which you're going to be part of. But it's mine, Moses. Sometimes I think we think that a bit too, don't we? That it's all down to you and me. It's all about me. I'm the main character in this story. We're not. God is. Now that's not a bad thing, guys, because God is the all-powerful, almighty, holy God who can change and do anything. It's his mission. We're on board with him, but he's the one driving it. We need to trust him. Trust his timing. Trust him within it. Because it's his, guys. How good is that? We're on mission with the almighty, all-powerful God. And his mission never fails. You see, God called Moses. He sent Moses. He equips Moses. And he does the same for you and I. He does exactly the same for you and I. Jesus says, come to me all you weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Jesus says, if you trust and believe in me, I will give you eternal life. He says, I am the way, the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God calls us into his family, onto his mission through Jesus. Every one of us, he is asking us, he's calling us, he says, come to me. I am the loving, all-powerful, mighty God who wants a relationship with you. And I call you into that with me. And then he sends us out as well, doesn't he? At the end of Matthew, he says, I send you out to go and make disciples of all nations, of every tongue, every land. You'll go and tell them about me and I will be with you to the very end of the age. God calls us into his family. God brings us onto his mission and he sends us out on his mission into the world. Now we heard a little bit about Nick Vujicic a little bit earlier and sometimes I think it's good just to hear how God has a plan doesn't matter who we are doesn't matter how disabled we think we are or how unqualified we think we are or how whether we've got a speech impediment whether we think we can't do things but God when he brings us onto his team onto his mission then he equips that for us and he sends us out and he does amazing things I'm just going to show a little bit more of Nick and uh, hear about his mission. It's phenomenal, isn't it? God calls. God sends. God equips. It's the same for every one of us. He wants us on his mission to gather his people to be his people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we just take a moment to to gather our thoughts of what we've just heard and what we've just seen and what we've just read, as we think about the way that you called Moses, sent him and equipped him, the way you've done that with Nick, and the way that you've done that with us. Well, we want to thank you and praise you for bringing us onto your mission with you. 
Thank you that through Jesus you've called us into your family. Sent us on a mission to take the good news of Jesus to the world and that you've equipped us in our own each individual and specific ways, Lord, to do that. Lord, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you will speak into our hearts and empower us from the inside out to be people who are excited, available and willing to get on the mission with you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.